The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I appreciate those thoughts. I actually drove here yesterday with a, with, a, with a message on my mind, and that was this from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul says to the young minister, Now therefore, I exhort that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and those who are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. I'm, I, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of the fighting. You know, and, and y'all, I hoped on Tuesday that, that the political ads would end. For maybe y'all they have, but I live in Georgia where there's a Senate runoff campaign <laughs> over the course of the next week. And I'm not sure you've had more impact from the state of Georgia this week uh, than you're going to have. I understand that there's the Senate race that impacts the control of the Senate. There is a preacher here from Georgia, and apparently there's a pretty good football team coming over here to play the Bulldogs tonight. Go, go dogs. <laughs> Very few things would make me happier than to get back over to Georgia and just smile at all those Bulldog fans over there and say, you know, I was in Starkville this past weekend. <laughs> um, so I came down here actually with that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that. I'm going to leave that thought of prayer with you all. First of all, first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be, be made for all men. All men, the kings and those who are in authority. Well, I don't agree with them. Well, the Bible says you need to pray for them. Because this is the will of God in you, that you lead a quiet and peaceful life. Um, we fight in the church. We fight in our families. We fight in this nation. We fight in society. We fight, Paul says, from whence come wars and fightings from amongst you, come it not even of your members. I just want to lead a quiet and peaceful life. Can we do that? Amen. Can we just can we let that be the will of God in our life that we just Amen. lead a quiet and peaceful life? Amen. So rather, I want to shift focus here to something actually uh, late last night as I as I laid down came into my mind, and 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 that's the thought of perspective. You know, perspective's a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Perspective's a funny thing. You only know what you know. You know, there's, there's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is an interesting thing that essentially psychologists have studied and said the less intelligent you are, the smarter you think you are. <laughs> That's interesting to me. You don't know what you don't know. And so you think you know all that you know, and you do, but you know very little. But the reality is that's the only place that we can act from, isn't it? That's the only place that we can really exist. I know what I know. I see what I see. I am what I am. Perspective is a, is a funny thing. So I want to turn, if you would, turn with me to John chapter 11. I want to talk about perspective here, if that's okay. I want to talk about perspective. We're going to read not the whole chapter of John chapter 11, but some, 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 a few verses to move us through so that we can 
kind of gather what's happening here. And you're familiar with this. You know Lazarus. You know Lazarus' story. Some of you older ones may need to be you know, taught who Lazarus was and the effects of that. And there's not an old Baptist that doesn't say the voice of God causes life. Right. A dead man cannot act on his own. And that's the Lazarus story. But I want to read John chapter 11. We'll read verses 1 through 7 first. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days, still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Skip on down to verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. And Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, go unto him. Let us go unto him. Skip on down to verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, but I know that even now, whatsoever, thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Skip on down to verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Verse 40 through 45. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shalt see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that thou mayest believe me that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. What an incredible story. Amen. You know, we, we, we read, listen, you ought to say amen. <laughs> a man was just raised from the dead. <laughs> listen, I can, I can stand in front of a bunch of old Baptists. And, and by the way, I believe in total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, you know, preservation of the saints. I believe that we sing the way we ought to in church. And, and I believe we ought to sing, preach, pray, eat, and fellowship. Um, and, and that's the way the church ought to be. So I'm old Baptist, y'all. <laughs> We're not here to worship the old Baptist today. Right. right. I'm, I'm so thankful that I found 
through my wife, as many of us men do, that I found the old church. The reason that I'm thankful that I found the old church is, is not because of the wonderful theology, and I love it. It's the fact that I believe that, that what we believe and what we do gives the greatest glory and honor to God Amen. in the church setting. Yeah, that's, right. that's what I want to do, not all the time. But that's my hope, that that is my goal, that that is what I want to do, that that is what we do here today, that everything we do glorify God. Yeah. It's my perspective right now, this afternoon, you know, maybe, maybe I'll lose that perspective, maybe I'll lose that focus. But perspective is such a, such a funny thing because it changes all of the time. The camera is over here now, and maybe it, maybe it should be over there. I don't know which. I tend to look this way when I preach, so if I don't look at y'all, I'm sorry. If I, if I do look at y'all and I'm talking about sin, it's not has nothing to do necessarily with you in particular. I tend to look this way, and I'm like a sprinkler, and I jump back. Perspective's a funny thing. One perspective you can take from this it is clear that Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Right. Right. Mary knows this. Martha knows this. Lazarus knows this. And when Jesus weeps, you see the people that are standing outside. Oh, how he loved him. It is clear that Jesus loves Lazarus Amen. and that they love him. One of the, one of the, one of the reasons, and maybe the primary reason that that Bethany Church in Atlanta and many of the other Bethany churches that are represented even here today, that Bethany Church is named Bethany. That is where Jesus' friends lived. That's where he went. When he was in and around Jerusalem, that's where he stayed. That's where he dwelt. That's where Mary and Martha were. Mary for all her goodness, Martha for all her goodness, even though she was a little bit, you know. That's where Jesus felt comfortable. He would come and he would well with them and he would visit with them and he would stay with them and we hope that he comes and visits and stays and dwells with us Amen. that he yeah. sees about us you know Mary and Martha and a lot of these people have the right perspective based on what they know Lazarus is sick who do we call let's call Jesus y'all is that the right perspective Amen. first of all prayers and supplications be given by the word that that idea for prayer in that first Timothy, first chapter, first Timothy chapter two, the word for prayer there, it, it it's connected with this idea where where the Jews would go in a in a village or a town where there would be no synagogue, that there was a place that they would go to kind of get away from things and be alone with God. Right. They didn't have the synagogue; they would go to this place, and it would be a specific place, and they would go to that place to seek God's face and to be alone with God. That's prayer. It's prayer in, in a certain sense. And, and this was, this, they, they love Jesus. They, they want to be with and their perspective is the first thing that we need to do is call upon our friend Jesus who we know can fix the problem. Amen. Right. We want to first of all, prayer, reach out to God. That, you know, that's good. Mary and Martha's, their, their perspective there is a good perspective. There's another perspective that we see here. Because Lazarus is sick and they get word of it and they say, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, he's sick. We gotta go, we gotta go now. And 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 but we got in order to do that, we gotta go through a date to get there as fast as we can. We gotta go through a day. Y'all, last time we were there, y'all remember what happened? <laughs> they ran us out of there. Jesus, if you if we go through there, we're 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 likely to not make it. 
They're going to capture us. They're going to imprison us. They're going to kill us. They're going to jail us. They're, it's going to be dangerous if we make that trip. I'm not sure. Can we find another way around that thing? That's what we do, right? We want to make it easy for ourselves. Sometimes we need a little hardness in our lives. Right. Right. Amen. Finally, you, you see, the perspective is, we'll go with, we are going to lead you to Lazarus because you care about. The perspective is good, right? I mean, it's natural at least. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. You don't want to put yourself in trouble say, just for the sake of trouble. I've seen enough Christians doing that. Perspective is a funny thing. There's, others, there's other perspectives that we see here, and that's Mary and Martha's. Once, once Jesus does finally get there, Lazarus is dead, and their perspective at this time is correct. It's right, but it's wrong. It's wrong, but it's right. Jesus, if, you had, if, you, if, you had, if you'd been here, Lazarus, my brother, would still be alive right now. Right. Of course, you expect that from Martha. That's just kind of who she is, you know? She's the, she's the sister in the church that tells you everything that you did wrong that day. <laughs> not, not that y'all, y'all don't have them in this church. I'm fairly confident. Of nor do I, nor do it, does anybody that may capture this online. It's simply a figment of my imagination. But you ever, I mean, you've said that, right? You may not have voiced the words, if you God, if you Jesus, but you felt that way. Lord, if you would just reach your hand down into this place at this time and done what I'm asking you to do, then all my problems will go away. Let me tell you, for each and every one of us, there is a time where the Lord is going to reach down into this place, into this time. You are going to draw your last, your last breath and your heart is going to beat for the last time and all your problems are going to go away. That's not an incorrect perspective. I like to start at the beginning sometimes. First of all, first of all, prayers and supplications be given for all, for giving of thanks be given for all men. I like to start in a certain place. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Y'all Baptists, you like that, right? God made the earth. It's his. He gets to do whatsoever he pleases, and he does not need my permission to do so. Because it ain't my creation. He has given man dominion over that creation, but what did we do with that? Didn't take very long. We messed that up, didn't we? But it ain't mine. It is his. He is the sovereign ruler of this universe. He has given, given us dominion over certain things in this world. But the thing that he did not give us this d- dominion o- over was eternal life. God is the giver of life. You see that in the beginning. You see that here. And I pray that you saw that at some point in your life. Right. Yeah. That you have been given life. That God is the giver of life. And just as he breathed not his, his breath of life into the nostrils of Adam, and Adam became a living soul. He is going to breathe words out here to Lazarus, saying, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead is going to be brought to life. And you, who were once dead in your sins and trespasses, that have the ability to move and breathe and do and believe on the things of God, you have been given life by the same power, and that is by the word of God. Not this word of God that I'm reading to you from, but the everlasting eternal word of God that has given life when he desires to give life to those dead inanimate objects. Perspective. It's a funny thing. But we go through, we go through trouble. Remember why, why Paul told Timothy, now therefore, first of all, you know, Paul had a great way of introducing himself. 
He writes this letter to Timothy and he says, you know, hi, grace and peace be unto you. Appreciate you, Timothy. You know, I was at once a blasphemer and injurious and a persecutor of the church. That's the thing that I was, you know. It's not easy. It's not easy being what I was, but it's not easy now because I am, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all that temptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I was these things. I am these things. Y'all, it ain't easy. I'm writing to you, Paul. I'm writing to you, Timothy, so that you might know how to war a good warfare. War and battle is real. You're going to face it spiritually. You're going to face it physically. It is real. Christianity, walking in Jesus Christ's footsteps is not easy. And you're going to have to fight. I want you to fight, but I want you to fight the right way, the way that Jesus Christ fought with the truth and not the way that man fight with the lies. I want you to fight. I want you to fight a good warfare. There are others that have made shipwrecks. So in the first chapter of of 1 Timothy, we see it's, it's warfare. Others have made shipwreck of their faith. Now, therefore, chapter 2, I exhort you. You need to pray about it because it ain't easy. You're going to need some help in this thing called discipleship. You're going to need some help in this thing called ministry, and that help can only come from one place. It's going to come from God. So reach out to him. Call upon him, the one that is the giver of life. So we see that that's what Mary and Martha, that's their perspective is, God, we called you, we sent for you, and you, Jesus, you just weren't here. You've let us down. Three weeks ago, a man named Dan Smith, 91 years old, it's hard to say that you lose a 91-year-old man unexpectedly, but we lost a 91-year-old church member unexpectedly. He woke up, was getting dressed, had a massive heart attack, and passed away there in his room. Why? You get to why? You lose a child, you lose a you lose someone that you love, and you say, you say, Lord, if you had just been here, you lose your job, and you say, Lord, if you had just intervened, Lord, if you 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 go through these shipwrecks and these wars, and you say, Lord, if you'd just been there, then everything and, and that's correct. Remember, Israel tried to do it themselves, have that work out for them. God says, When I went before you, you won. When you went before me, you lost. Perspective isn't necessarily wrong. It's just not all-encompassing. So Jesus is told, your friend Lazarus is sick. Jesus says, well, he's asleep. They don't get that. You know, we don't get what, you know, we don't get some of these simple things that Jesus says. And, you know, finally he just says, he's dead. Lazarus is dead. Well, then why are we going? You're going to see. So I guess if there's two words I want you to leave here with today, in the midst of controversy and the battles and the shipwreck and your limited perspective, these two words. Hold on. Amen. <laughs> yes. Just hold on. Something better is coming. Amen. So Rosas, I live a good life. I'm glad you do. You know, I, I was in Kenya, had the opportunity to travel with Brother David to Kenya in 2019, was, happen, was back there this summer. Let me tell you, they sing a song called Vumilia, that's what it's called over there, maybe in this hymnal. It's in Songs of Zion, if you have that. It's called Carry On. Carry On. And, I can, and it sound, it's got an African sound to it, and it's just a beautiful song. And it's the song about, you know, life's, life's hard. Life's hard, but I'm going to carry on. Men are bad. But I'm going to carry on. And this is, 
This is the loss of their brother, Mary and Martha, and they're having a hard time holding on. They want to place their perspective is he is dead. What how worse can it be? Jesus is saying, hold on. He said, hold on to his disciples. Why can't we go now? Hold on. And there's a purpose for that holding on. It's not holding on for the sake of holding on. I will tell my son who is who is 12 years old, and y'all, if you have 12-year-old son, you know what I'm talking about here. I told him the other day, you know, you're like a little caterpillar. You were. You're cute, and you can play around with you, and I can pet you a little bit, and I can put you away, and I can pick you back up, and, and you're going to be a butterfly one day, and, and that's going to, you're going to be beautiful, and you're going to fly away, and people are going to, wow, look at that magnificent creature. But right now, you're just a big sack of goo. <laughs> And as long as we can agree on that, then, then we can agree on that. Yeah. And we'll look forward to that. We'll hold on to that thing that you are going to be and do. We'll hold on. Jesus saying there is a purpose, and you're going to see it. What the purpose of what Jesus does here is, and what the purpose of what Jesus always does is. And that is this. He says the sickness, verse 4, the sickness is not unto death, it's not unto death, but the sickness is for the glory of God. I want you to recognize that for a minute. That this is happening and the primary purpose, the, pri- the, the reason this is happening, according to Jesus, this is not my opinion. According to Jesus, this is happening for the glory of God. Right. Well, how can that be? Well, from a limited perspective, you might ask that question. Right. But from Jesus' perspective, is he knows what's coming. Yeah, he, he knows what's coming. Yeah. And, he's, and he's not being completely clear with them. They don't know what's coming yet. Because when it does, let me tell you, I imagine there was shouting. Because when that which is dead is brought to life, there ought to be shouting. Don't place it in in your mind with Aesop's fables. Don't just say it's another story. Don't just say it's a Bible story and that's cute. Let me tell you, when the dead receive life, it's time to shout. Because that dead thing doesn't deserve that life. Deserves death. The wages of sin, guess what? Is death, and that's passed to us. For as in Adam all die, wherefore by one man sin sin came to the world, and death by sin, so death came upon all men. Why? Because all have sinned. Jesus says, hold on. (laughs) Just give me a minute. Down in the south, we'll say, hey, y'all, watch this. (laughs) I ain't always been in Atlanta, (laughs) y'all. Even still, let's be clear, I live in the suburbs. (laughs) Did have to drive through Atlanta to make it here. At a church meeting a couple weeks ago, Elder David Crawford from McClenny, Florida, and Elder Mark Nunyani you know, from, uh, from Kesey, Kenya. And I said, I don't know how it's easier to get here, from south of Atlanta or from Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, they both made it there. Perspective. Jesus' perspective here is always on the glory of God. Psalm chapter 43, we see the heavens declare the glory of God, my handiwork. There is, 
there when David would look up and he would see the stars and the sun and the rotation of this planet and all of those glorious things back before light pollution. He could look up and he could see these things. He said, I look up there, I see the glory of God. Acts chapter 7. You see Stephen. Stephen who is considered to be the first martyr, the one, the first one to give his life for the sake of the church, for the sake of his belief in Jesus Christ, for the sake of preaching the gospel. He's hauled out by a mob. That mob takes off their coats and they lay them at a young man by the name of Saul. And he begins being stoned and he looks up and he sees the glory of God. And he sees Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of the throne. He sees the glory of God. Stephen, in the midst of the greatest persecution, the greatest level, it stops there. The, the, right. the dynamic ends at dying for the sake of Jesus Christ. And he sees the glory of God. Yes, sir. And just by way of rabbit trail, let me say, at the end of his life, his last words are, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right. My friends, Amen. Stephen understood <laughs> grace. Amen. I think we could take a lesson from that. Amen. And the glory of God ought to show you grace. Here he is seeing the glory of God in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. There in the everlasting kingdom, there is the glory of God, and it shines the brightest. We see on the Mount of Transfiguration, James and Peter and John, they go with Jesus Christ and they witness the glory of God. Y'all, this may be the greatest experience man has ever had on the Mount of Transfiguration. There they see in bodily form the glorification of the Son, Jesus Christ. Peter recounts that in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says this thing which we seen and we heard, it was a very real, it was a very real tangible experience for them in seeing the glory of God there in the face and in the body of Jesus Christ. My friends, Jesus says he is sick, but the sickness is not into death. The sickness is for the glory of God. Charles Spurgeon said it's perhaps one of the hardest struggles of the Christian life to learn this sentence. Not for my glory, but for thy glory. This isn't about me. I love you, but it ain't about you. You're a part of it. But the purpose is the glory of God. Why do we come here? Why do we worship? Y'all, I love the old minor tunes in a building just like this. When thou my righteous judge. What a beautiful hymn that is, right? Brother Joe and I, we've been in church a lot of meetings together over the course of the last 15 or 20 years. And we've sang that song a lot together in the same congregation. Man, and it's just beautiful. And I love that. But I hope that song doesn't make, doesn't make it so that I like that song. I hope that song makes it so that God likes that song. Amen. So that He is glorified and not us. Right. For the glory of God. And this glory is what lights everything. And this idea, not unto us, O God, but to, to Thee be the glory. Is that the purpose? Is that what you came here for? I hope it is. Because you got a sickness too. Amen. 
Sure and let me tell you, the glory exhibiting itself in this little geographic area in Mississippi is that these poor sick sinners can come together, can leave their sickness and sin and worries behind, and they can come into this place and then glorify the creator of this universe yes, and amen. the savior of their souls. Help us, Lord. Amen. It's for the glory of God. It's not just that the Father can be glorified. Listen to what else he says, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. The Father is going to receive the glory. Don't try to steal it from him, y'all. That's bad. But the Son is going to be glorified by what is about to take place. That the Son of God, that Jesus Christ, may be glorified. Now, let me me stop here and say, Jesus is going to be glorified. He doesn't need to come make a big show in order to be glorified. He is going to be glorified. There's a whole host of creation that is created for the sole purpose of glorifying him, and they do a pretty good job at that. He doesn't need need the glory to make himself bigger or brighter or better. He is what he is. He is the word by which the worlds were framed. He doesn't need my glorification to be anything more than what he is. But he desires it. He desires it, and that's, that's what this brother was talking about here today. You got a job to do. Last Sunday, had the opportunity to preach out of the Old Testament in these last words of Joshua, choose you this day who you will serve. Mm-hmm. You know what the magic behind that statement is? These are people that are God's people. That's right. And he tells them, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They say, of course we'll serve the Lord. Joshua says, you sure? <laughs> Because it ain't going to be easy. And it's better that you just say, nah, we'll give up at this point than to say you will and turn back on it down the road. (coughs) Choose you this day who you will serve. You need to do that. But Jesus is going to be glorified. He's glorified by the Father. He's glorified by the angelic ram that is there for that specific purpose. He's going to be glorified, not just because of the single act. However, there in this place, there we will see that Jesus is glorified by this particular act. By the act of giving life to the dead, he is glorified by those who, are, who, are, who have the correct perspective to see that. Right. Who are standing there, who are seeing that. Turn with me, if you, if you, if you notice here in verses 15. Listen, listen to what happens here. Verse 15. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless... Let us go unto him. Jesus says to the apostles, Jesus says to his disciples, y'all, he's dead. I'm glad I wasn't there. Yeah. What? I had the great great blessing to be at my mother and my father's bedside as they passed. And and many others over the course of the years as we get phone calls during all hours of the day and night to be at the bedsides and be with the friends and family who were losing their loved ones in this life. And it's such a powerful thing to experience. Maybe like nothing else in this life, especially those who have lived wonderful lives in this earth and are loved by many. He says, Jesus here, however, I'm glad I wasn't there. Glad I wasn't there. Why? Listen to what he says. To the intent. Here's the reason. You want to know God's purposes? Just read the Bible. Right. To the intent, listen to this, that you may believe. 
There's going to be something that is going to happen that is going to cause you or ought to cause you to believe. That thing is death to life. Y'all see the trend here? Y'all see the trend here? Death to life causes belief. It It is the thing that stimulates it. When you can see it, because you're standing from the right perspective, and that is the perspective of the spirit eternally, and that is from the perspective of the physical, physically, that we can see this death to life, and there's a purpose, there's an intent, and that is that you might believe, and let me tell you, you believing in one that can give life to the dead glorifies God. Amen. Glorifies God. So he says in verse 23 through 27, Jesus saith unto her again, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's a good perspective, isn't it? Yes. Man, let me tell you, there's all kinds of end times talk. Right. All kinds of stories about 150 years ago. Some notes got put into a, uh, a, a Bible. And because it's in the Bible, it's got to be true, right? Y'all be careful about all the other stuff that's written Amen. in your Bible. Yeah. And, there's, and, 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 and this whole end times, this whole eschatology, this whole... End times theology was crafted and, and popularized by Tim LaHaye and others in the Left Behind series. Man, it's convoluted. Amen. Man, it's hard to understand. You know what I like to read about the end times? Paul. That's right. Because it's simple. Because it's a, Listen, as a kid, I was not raised primitive Baptist. I was raised that Jesus was coming tomorrow, and I needed to do the right things to be ready for that. And let me tell you, Jesus might come tomorrow, and you need to do the right things to be ready for that. What I'm going to tell you the right things are and the, and the effect of those right things is a little different than them. Nevertheless, I remember being paralyzed with fear in the middle of the night. One particular night where I heard a noise and said, that might be Jesus. And I could not get out of my bed and go to check to see if my, my, my poor spiritual mama was still there. Oh. Paralyzed by fear. Mm. Paul says, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. When he does, he's going to bring souls and spirits of those that have, that have gone on before with them. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then shall we join them in the air and evermore be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Let me tell you, Jesus' return was never meant to scare you into anything. It was meant to comfort the believers, those that had hope, because there were those that had no hope. They didn't know. I want to give you hope this morning that Jesus is coming and once again he's going to do what he did here to Lazarus. Yes, uh, he's going to give life to a dead, inanimate body. Yes. And he's going to do it not because he's not going to hire me to do it. He's just going to do it. And he's going to do it on his own time. Right. Not on the time I think he ought to. Lord, come quickly. Lord, stay away. You just come in your time. Amen. Y'all, I've heard Lord come quickly. And let me say, I hope the Lord comes quickly, but I don't want him to come any quicker than he's ready for. And he's not going to anyway. (laughs) Y'all see the intent and the purpose in what Jesus is doing here? Very intentional. He's not an accidental Savior. He's not an accidental God. Listen to what verse 23, she says, Jesus said to her, Brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life that he believeth in me. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, but believest thou this? There's a lot of belief there. Mm-hmm. All through this passage, we're seeing this belief. Who's he talking to? Mary and Martha, the siblings of the dead man. They love him already. Right. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. 
Whosoever liveth believe in thee shall never die. Believest thou this? She said in him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which, shall come, which should come into the word. Verse 40. Jesus saith and here said, I said not, I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God. <laughs> Purpose is the glory of God. Do you want to see more of the glory of God? Do you want to see what Peter saw on the Mount of Transfiguration in James and John? Do you want to see the light of God in your life? Believe these things. Amen. Believe these things. Don't leave here today saying, well, I don't really know. Let me tell you. Believe me. Believe the other preacher. Believe the word of God. Amen. It's what Jesus does. He has a purpose and he wants you to see his glory. He wants you to do that even more through belief. 2 Thessalonians. Turn there with me. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 10 and 12. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 10 and 12. Chapter 1, verse 10 and 12. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all of them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness in the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, guess what, may be glorified. When you believe, when you follow, when you see Jesus for what he is, that glorifies him. Glorifies him. Amongst the congregation, amongst this world, it shines his light. Y'all, we are called to be light. Not darkness. Not darkness. We're called, y'all, you are a a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who have called us out of darkness and what? Into his marvelous light. Show God through what it is we do. Romans chapter 5. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, if you will. Romans chapter 5, read verses 1 and 2. Faith, this belief, this idea... But there is this thing, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the what? Of the glory of God. My friends, your act of faith and belief glorifies God. Right. And so what's the point? There's the point. This is the point. That Jesus comes to this place too late from their perspective, just on time from his perspective. He comes to this place for the wrong reason, to mourn the loss of Lazarus, but for the right reasons according to him because he's going to raise that man from the dead when he says, Lazarus, come forth. See, our problem is we're limited by space and time. That's right. We are limited by what it is and what we isn't. We are limited in time by what we know and what we don't know. My friends, Jesus Christ is not limited by time. He created. He was there in the beginning. He was the word by which the worlds were framed. He's not limited by space. He transcends this physical realm. He's not limited by what I know of him. He is the Savior, whether I know of that or not. He's not limited by any of these things, and we are. So we're going to look at events like this. He said, well, this is Lazarus. Good story. Good, good preaching. Well, you got your own sins and your own problems in your life. You are mourning. You are sick. And you are tired just like me. Let me tell you. Hold on. Amen. Amen. Hold on. Because there's coming a time, Paul says, where we, are, we will know 
even as we are known. You're going to get it one day, even if you don't get it today. Besides, that's a lot. That's a lot of words. It's 12 o'clock. You need to sit down because we got food to eat. (laughs) Hold on. The time's coming. The dead in Christ shall rise. The corruptible will become the incorruptible. Where the dim mirror, the dim glass, a dark glass that we see through now will be wiped clean and we will see in a way that we've never seen before. It's going to happen because Jesus says, live. I hope you believe that. That's the practical thing. Believe that today. If you want to glorify God, you say, yeah, amen, brother. Okay, then believe that. Right. Amen. In doing so, I promise you, when you see that there is one life-giving power, it is Jesus Christ, and He calls the dead to life when He wants to, how He wants to, in His own, in, in his own particular way, not according to what I want or desire, but according to His own will and purpose. When, when, when more of you believe in that, the more God will be glorified on this earth. Amen. And I pray that he's been glorified here today. God bless you. Amen. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.